Hey, everybody, you've just downloaded episode 12 of We Got This with Mark and Hal. And before you listen to this episode, which is a very fun one, I wanted to thank all the people who have taken the time to rate and review us on iTunes. We really, really appreciate it. And it may not seem like it, but that kind of stuff does help expose the show to new audiences. And that's the goal for all of us to be together in a giant global community where we all listen to this podcast, except for uh, me and Mark, probably, because I don't think he knows what podcasts are. And I'm just busy. You guys, I'm flat out busy listening to all these other great podcasts and then making this one, although I do hear it while I'm editing. Why am I still talking to you about this? That's fine. You just want to hear the episode, and I'm going to let you do it right now. Episode 12 of We Got This with Mark and Hal. Hello, I'm Hal Lublin. And I'm Mark Gagliardi. Since the dawn of humanity, one issue has gone unsettled. With the fate of the world in the balance, we're here to settle once and for all. Who's the best beetle? That's right. Don't worry, everyone. We got this. Podcast should have a theme song. Podcast should not have a theme song. Yes, they should. No, they shouldn't. They sound good. Yeah, but people are just going to skip past it. Hmm. You know what? You're right. We got this. All right. What's up, everybody? Hey, everybody. Uh, what's up? <laughs> what's up? <laughs> oh, my God. Are we bringing what's up back? I just feel like you pulled it off and I wanted to see if I could. But nope. I, nope. Not at all. Because I wasn't deliberately doing the old uh, Budweiser uh, thing. Was it Budweiser that did what's It up? was Budweiser. Yeah. Um, so we're not talking about Budweiser today. No. We are talking about this is another blockbuster episode for us. It is. Um, not that. We're expecting blockbuster uh, ratings for this. Are they called ratings? Sure. Um, Let's numbers? call them that. Sure. We'll call them ratings. What are the uh, To the Nielsen family who's listening right now, hello. Yes. Um, no, but about blockbusters. We previously did an episode about Star Wars for uh, May the 4th, which we released on May the 5th. Yes. Like a couple of good uh, slackers. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> and today we're going to talk about... The Beatles. Yes. Uh, the Beatles. John, Paul, George, and Ringo. Yes. And also Pete Best and Stu Sutcliffe. Yes. And Billy Preston every once in a while when he would sit in. Sure. Um, so the question is, who was the best Beatle? Sure. Uh, do you have an idea in mind? I, I do. Here's the, here's the funny thing. I was talking to my father about this, mm-hmm. who, who is, Who's just started listening to the podcast. Oh, really? And is catching up oh, on Oh, hi, Bill. Yeah. <laughs> How you doing, Dad? Um, he's very much enjoying it. But I told him we were going to talk about which one the best Beatle was. And he was trying to guess what I would think. And he's okay. like, well, I can't – I don't know if it's going to be John, Paul, or George. Oh, that's cold. Just poor Ringo. Poor Ringo. Left out in the rain. I know. I mean, he Ringo did come in late. Um, he did. But Ringo is – and I talked to a friend of mine about this today. I also I also did a little homework on this uh, right. and um, asked around and got people's ideas. And a buddy of mine said this today. My friend Tom said, um, I think of Ringo as the heartbeat of the Beatles. Sure. I mean, he was the drummer. He was literally the beat uh, and also the, the naive kid uh, gung-ho. He was the, the driving force that kept the blood flowing of the Beatles. Sure. Um, and then he went on to say 
that uh, Paul was the face. This was, I don't know where he got this information, but okay. it made sense to me when he said, he said, Paul was the face. Uh-huh. Uh, for those who don't know, the Beatles are Paul McCartney, John Lennon, George Harrison, and uh, Ringo Starr. Thank you, Ringo Starr. <laughs> oh, poor Ringo. Um, <laughs> uh, that Paul was the face, John was the brain, mm-hmm. George was the soul, and Ringo was the heart. Interesting. Uh, which I thought was an interesting way of putting it. Yeah. So I guess really this debate that we're having today is what's the most important? The brain, the face, the heart, or the soul? I kind of take issue with that. I, you know, some people could, <laughs> some people could mix those around a little bit. Sure. Um, they certainly all brought a lot. Like you said, Ringo definitely was the, the sort of the backbone of all of those songs. He wasn't the flashiest drummer, but right. he had that mercy beat. Um, and he kept them going. He yeah. largely defined their rock and roll sound. Yeah, he's kind though, of underrated. Though, uh, they're, they're, in doing my homework, this was another thing that I loved. Uh, okay. it was their first number one, please, please me, happened because they were, they said, Hey, why, why don't you take it up? Why don't you take the pace up a little bit? Their, mm-hmm. their producer said that. So maybe it wasn't Ringo. It was just Ringo <laughs> obeying orders really well. And to be fair, they were all on speed back then. So they were probably, <laughs> uh, <laughs> they really, you really can mark the Beatles by their drug use. Uh, yes. they were all on speed in the early years. Yes. And then they all tried LSD. Yes. And then they all got into pot for a while. Yeah. And, uh, and then, and uh, they stopped doing drugs and broke up. Yeah. And See, then, but that's, let that be a lesson to everyone. Let that be a lesson to you, Hal. What? Straight edge Hal. <laughs> Try drugs. No. This, <laughs> this is, is terrible. This is a message. terrible message that I we're giving to the world. I can't believe you're doing this. Is that, <laughs> is that what you took away from the Beatles? Not the music? It's drugs are awesome, everybody. Yeah. Um, yeah. If you, uh, if you want to pull out an album to uh, pick the stems and seeds out of your pot, use Rubber Soul. <laughs> Um, nobody picks stems and seeds out of pot anymore, though. That's like a, that's a a cliche thing. Yeah, you're a real pot grandpa. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Uh, so how should we structure this? Because this is going to be, this is, this could be a very wide ranging, uh, far encompassing. Do you want to go one by one? Start with Ringo? Let's go one by one. Let's break them down. Let's discuss their contributions. Okay. Because I definitely have a their clear idea. Their contributions and their detriments. Sure. I have a, uh, I have a clear idea as well. Okay. So, so Ringo, uh, and we can discuss their post Beatles work as well. I yes. know that, I know that John has the, has the shortest lifespan, but he mm-hmm. still accomplished a great deal. Uh, outside yes. of the Beatles as well as within them. Because the Beatles only were around from 1960 to 1970. Yes. One decade. That yeah. was it. Um, so let's start with Ringo. What is Ringo's late work? I, uh, I remember seeing him in the eighties and I don't think I've ever seen him not in sunglasses. So, so here are um, a few, here are a few things he's done. Okay. Um, one is he released a, a, uh, an album of songs, I think in the seventies. I think it might have been one of his first. Solo albums of covers from songs from the fifties and sixties, and that was a that was a tribute for his mother, I believe. Okay, see, then, he's the sweetest Beatle. Yeah. He's the sweetle. He's and all of the other Beatles wrote for him. Yeah, afterwards. So, despite whatever their relationships may have been strained among one another, mm-hmm. they all rallied around Ringo and and wrote for him and and collaborated with him. Yes, well, even in early, in the early days, they wanted to make sure he was singing to give him the yes. legitimacy. There's one Ringo song on every album that he sings. Um. Then, then, uh, the worst song. Yeah, here are some other. Well, that's not true. Yellow Submarine is that the worst song? 
Uh, <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, Yellow Submarine is the one that the youngest children do in music class. As they get older and move into fourth and fifth grade and start playing the recorder, then they get to move to more advanced Beatles songs. Like Norwegian Wood? Yeah. Well, that's when you get to sitar in, like, 11th grade. <laughs> You're still taking music class oh. and, like, playing banging sticks together in 11th grade, right? I had the worst sitar teacher in 11th grade. <laughs> I loved music class as a kid. Miss McClellan Thompson. was – Mr. Thompson, we yeah, had Miss McClellan. The sitar teacher. Oh, jeez. Uh, she was in the Knoxville Symphony Orchestra, and oh, I boy. thought that was the coolest thing that we had a lady from the real symphony as our music teacher. Was she very uptight? Um, like, everybody keep beat, like, uh, yeah, and whatever. she was married to a, or dating a ghostbuster at the time. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, she was just a sweet lady. We were little kids. Like, she was a sweet lady from the symphonies. Like, eh, I'm going to teach little kids music. That is pretty cool. Yeah, she was a great lady. So th- th- that's sort of what Ringo is. In a yeah. Way. He's, he's the Miss McClellan. He's the, he's the, he's the childhood music teacher. Yeah. Ringo's the one that would pass out all the percussion instruments to the kids in class. Like, <laughs> you wanted to get the little drum. You didn't want the sticks. Everybody got sticks. Is like, your blokes? Um, he also did uh, "Weight of the World." That was another single of his, and "La Di Da." Those are two uh, <laughs> two singles. He also tours the country. I think he still does this with the All Star Band, where he mm-hmm. takes people uh, like uh, he'll I remember like the All Star Band. And, like he'll he would bring in uh, rock artists from other famous bands mm-hmm. uh, of the '60s, and they would play like they would each play the best of. I actually got to see them. He's the only Beatle I've seen in concert, and that. I went to see that show and it was a. Did he have really a Beatle magnetism to him? He did. Well, he's a Beatle. He's a Beatle. Yeah. He gets out there. You're like, oh my. I mean, you still make Lord. fun of him. He's Ringo. Everybody makes fun of Ringo, but yeah. he's still a Beatle. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Um, peace and, and blessings. Probably. Yeah. Peace and love. Peace and love. Peace, that's probably, if you don't know what we're referencing, he made a YouTube video uh, several years ago mm-hmm. in which he essentially said he was something to the effect of after the first of May, no more autographs. Anything <laughs> sent to me will be tossed. But, but in the middle, he peppers it with, I'm warning you with peace and love. And he starts with <laughs> peace and love, peace and love. He says peace and love about a million times. That's not an exaggeration <laughs> in a, no, in a how, hold on video. a second. Yes. That is an exaggeration. No, he has a horrendous OCD at the end. He just goes peace and love, peace and love, peace and love, peace and love. <laughs> Even at that rate, a million times would take a while. Well, he's he's a drummer. He can do it very quickly. Yeah, no, I get it. <laughs> I don't mean to call you. I don't mean to put you on blast, Lublin. Yeah, I don't know what that means. Is that from <laughs> like a Kool-Aid commercial or something? It's from Help. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Don't put me on blast, pole. <laughs> I can't get these rings off my fingers. <laughs> oh, Ringo. That was the whole uh, plot of Help was Ringo had a ring stuck on his finger. <laughs> That belonged to like a sheik or something. Like this is our musical. Who ring. wrote this movie? This. It's like, hey, what's this guy's name? Ringo. All right, give him a ring. Uh, what next? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um. So Ringo contributed the least. Sure, <laughs> you could say that in terms of a song. He wasn't much of a songwriter. Mm-hmm. Certainly not. I mean, it's hard. Even George had trouble overcoming the team of Lennon and McCartney in the early days in terms of getting songs through. Mm-hmm. But he certainly didn't contribute much as a songwriter. Right. Um, but he was the heartbeat. He was the heartbeat. Okay. Okay. So who do we move on to next? Let's move on to – let's go in reverse order of hiring. How's okay. that? So we'll go to George Harrison next. Yes. The soul of the Beatles. Okay. Um, you say you say that. I say that. Okay. Sure. Um, George Harrison, I like George Harrison. I feel like George Harrison is the one that 
that pushed them musically, but mm-hmm. did it quietly. Yes. You know what I mean? He's the quiet, he's the quiet one in there. He's the one that would be like, Hey, uh, why don't we try Sitar on this song? Yeah. Or why don't we try slowing that one down? Or maybe we should go to India and stay for a while. Like he's the guy that <laughs> I feel like he's in that, in that road movie of the four of them. He's the one that would come up with the crazy plot, like the crazy scheme to do something super, like super spiritually super, yeah. and super out there. Like, why don't we just stay in this field for a while and it'll come to us? Like <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's George Harrison in my mind. And maybe it's just because I have the image of him sitting with a sitar. Uh, in India in a Nehru jacket sure. in my brain is the image that I most, I don't, when I think of the Beatles, if I think of Paul, I think of early sixties. If I think of Ringo, I think of early sixties mm-hmm. mop tops and, um, and suits. When I think of George, I think of late sixties and crazy psychedelia. Sure. That's, that's fair. I, he definitely, uh, that was that was sort of his breakout period where he really started mm-hmm. uh, contributing more songwriting wise. Not that he didn't have ability before, but he was developing and his own voice and ready to sort of of all the Beatles who uh, of all four of the Beatles when they broke up, he probably benefited the most in terms of I can finally I finally have an outlet for all these songs I've written. That's why his first album was a double album because um, he, he had so been, much he'd been holding that hose bent in half for so long that it had created that giant water bubble yeah, on one side like exactly. only hoses in cartoons have <laughs> and then when he straightened it out it like shot like a fire hose and shot him out of frame yeah. i don't know why he's a cartoon in a very specific shot in my brain right now <laughs> what well, makes sense it's a perfect yeah. uh parallel but he's also i think one of the most underrated rock guitarists in in history how so because he was extremely talented, and when you're in a group like the Beatles, where everybody is really talented, not only uh, singers but also as musicians, mm-hmm. it's easy to sort of fall behind. And I think he he gets his due. He's gotten his due more over time, but you know, Clapton is a great guitarist. Jimmy Page is a great guitarist, but George Harrison absolutely belongs in that conversation. I don't think he he gets put there often enough. Well, I think what he does that's so nice is. As opposed to some of the guys that are just known for shredding and it's that, that, okay, now is your turn to do your thing. Yeah. It was never, a, it never seemed like it was about that. It seemed like George Harrison looked for what a song needed musically and put it in there. Yes. Yeah. Does that make sense? It's yes. not like, here's a chance for you to show off Eric Clapton, which he did brilliantly. Sure. Or even like, Later on, acts like Steve Vai and Eddie Van Halen and guys that would just shred on guitars. His was, you know, I think the song needs this right here. Like, that's sort of the vibe that I get from it. I'm going to keep doing this Beatle voice a lot, where I just kind of, like, say a few things and lean into the microphone real quiet-like. But all of my Beatles are going to sound exactly the same. See, my, my George Harrison impression is based off of, like, I think it was the first Gulf War. He's being interviewed. He's like, all these people here, the crackers, they come out in the crack. Like that was his thing. Everything was crack. It's just crackers. What, uh, what they're doing here. Um, Why does he sound like a sidekick to Voldemort? <laughs> you did like evil henchman voice. Is, is George Harrison the evil henchman of the well, band? I'm, I'm now whispering because of you. <laughs> yes, he is. <laughs> we're all here. We're a bunch of death eaters and we're all crackers and we're going to catch Harry Potter and. We're going to kill him. It's going to be crackers. <laughs> Peace and love. Peace <laughs> and love. Shut up, Ringo. All right, I'll be over here. Any broom sent to me after the 1st of May will get tossed. I'm warning you with peace and love. 
How did he turn into the sidekick to a sidekick to a villain? He's also turned into the anteater from Pink Panther. <laughs> that Pink Panther is all over the place, which is basically Jackie Mason. Yeah. Which is also – stars Jackie Mason. Wait a minute. I loved him in Caddyshack too. <laughs> You're the one. <laughs> be the ball, be the ball, be the ball, be the ball, be the ball. <laughs> nah, 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 nah. <laughs> if you haven't seen Caddyshack 2, that's fine. You don't have to. Yes, you do. But it's you'll fantastic. get what we're doing. Sure. It's like, well, we can't get Dangerfield. Yeah, get Jackie Mason. He's Dangerfieldish. I feel like this is the episode where we're going to lose everybody. Because Caddyshack <laughs> 2 references, that's too much. All right. Let's get back to the Beatles then. Go ahead. Um, so More what, George. What else do we have to say about George? Uh, Post-Beatles work. What about the concert for Bangladesh? Uh, talk about together. the Congo. I don't know about the concert uh, from Bangladesh. I've a, heard it's one of those things that's in my mind. A benefit he put together in the early 70s. I want to say 1973. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is, it, I believe he, he won a Grammy for that. Mm-hmm. Um, but Paul appeared on that album and Ringo and a bunch of musical all-stars. And that was the start of his sort of socially conscious. I believe he was at Live Aid as well. Uh, he was, was he, would you consider him to be the, uh, the most selfless of the Beatles? Uh, maybe so. Because I think his work is a little bit quieter. I think, I think a lot of John's activist stuff, uh, while it was done with good intentions, became, a little bit of a media circus. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, he wrote maybe the most infectious song of the 80s, which is uh, I Got My Mind Set, set on, you. on You. Yeah, I and it's it. the same thing over and over in my, again. In my mind, uh, that song, the, the version that I think of first of that song is, this song is just six yeah, words Weird long. Al, The Weird Al version. <laughs> I think of that before I think of, uh, of, of George Harrison's version. It's such a great parody, but it's also true. Like, yeah. it doesn't matter how long the song is, how many words there are, you get pulled into it. And it had the great music video. Where he's sitting in an easy chair mm-hmm. with a bunch of taxidermy, taxidermy behind him that sings the back, that they sing the, <laughs> set on you. I remember that as a photo from it. I don't remember that video, but I remember seeing a photo of him in the chair with the taxidermy as like, was it the album cover or maybe like a, just a pr- promotional photo for the single? Or? No, it must have been a promotional photo. The album was Cloud Nine and the cover was him wearing, where I think reflective sunglasses with the cloudy sky. Reflected in them, but that's, that video, that's so non. It's it sounds so non iconic the way you describe it. <laughs> where all of the Beatles like late covers are such iconic album covers. You're like, no, no, no. It's one of the Beatles doing a doing a sunglass thing like an '80s movie. <laughs> is that what I sound like? Yeah, I never this know. Is, uh, this is what I love them. This is, uh, this is my how love oh my impression. Gosh, this yeah. is terrible. It's really crackles what I love them sounds like. <laughs> Let's get him Voldemort. Um, also, uh, he had a great song, the name of which is Blanking Out on Me, that he wrote, oh, uh, all those years ago, which, which was his tribute to John Lennon that he wrote in like 81, 82. Oh, that's it's really, if you've not heard that song, uh, I would recommend looking it up. It's got a really nice music video too, which has a lot of vintage Beatle clips. Um, but he certainly had a really good career and his music towards the end of the Beatles run, mm-hmm. you could make the case that he was doing some of the best songwriting work that, that those last, uh, four years or so where he did, uh, here comes the sun. And, oh yeah. The, the late yeah. Beatles music is really, it's remarkable. All of the, uh, and I, I recently have, I've recently started breaking down Beatles songs into mm-hmm. eras okay. because I've never been an album guy. I've always been like a, with the Beatles, I was, you know, there's always the debate, which could be another episode, the Elvis or, or the Beatles debate. I was always an Elvis guy. Sure. But I always liked the Beatles and mm-hmm. I knew them more by individual song, like 
I had a greatest hits album as a kid of the, the Beatles. Was it the one with the four of them leaning over the uh the Capitol Records? Uh, the rail? No, no, but I know that greatest hits album. Yeah. The one I had was like a double disc that just had uh the Beatles and I think the Apple in the background. Okay. Um so that was how I knew the Beatles as a kid was just individual songs. Now uh I have a record player at home that I love and I'm finally introducing myself to vinyl and full albums. And uh my roommate in New York, her father gave her all of his old Beatles albums. And those have become my favorite vinyl to listen to, uh, regardless of what if, if I'm at home for a while, like I'm cooking or cleaning or whatever I'm doing at home, uh, I will usually turn on a Beatles album. It'll usually be Rubber Soul or Abbey Road. Yep. Um but I will I will turn on a full vinyl album. There's something about that that I just really, really enjoy. Um, so yeah, George, those are the, the later albums, even, I mean, beyond, uh, Abbey Road was later, but you know, beyond Rubber Soul, that was when, uh, George was doing more stuff. Yeah. Uh, one, one black mark on George Harrison for me is Within You Without You on Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Heart Cl- Hearts Club Band, which is the sitar that I was walking. <laughs> <laughs> which you currently sound like a drunk at the end of a bar. Yeah. I'm pretty sure that is the one I'm thinking of. I know he's responsible for the sitar song. That's on uh, Sergeant Pepper's. He's responsible for all the sitar stuff. Well, John Lennon has that song that's on, um, um, not Rubber Soul, Revolver. Um, I'm looking it up right now. I want to make sure that I have the right track. While you're track? looking, while you're looking this yeah, up, yeah, go ahead. Tom. Um, I think it's interesting that we're going in reverse order of hiring of the Beatles. Yes, uh, because based on their ages, it would it their reverse order of hiring. I don't know how old Ringo is in comparison to the rest of them. Okay. Um, but it f- still feels like he's the permanent freshman. But at one point there was, you know, if you look at the ages they were when they started, John Lennon was a senior, uh, Paul McCartney was a junior. And, uh, if it, we were using American things, I think I have this timeline, right? Yeah. Uh, if we were using American schooling, uh, John was a senior, Paul was a junior and George was a sophomore. Yes. Yeah, sophomore freshman. Uh, sure. Right around when they started. Um, yes. So their order of coming into the band and the order of the hierarchy that we're doing right now really is almost like that high school dynamic. Yes. And I wonder if that ever had a big factor in how they dealt with each other. Because I know George had to audition several times and yes. try to convince John to put him in the band. Yeah. Um, I think probably earlier on, I'm sure as yeah. they – by time they, they evened they, out. By time they were famous, they had worked together as a group. They had been to Germany and then sure. had sort of conquered the club scene in Liverpool uh, and around London. So they, I, I sure there's probably some part of that dynamic that was always around. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, like, do you think there was ever a chip on George's shoulder because he had to audition for John? Like, John's the only one that so. at one point they were going under the name. John and the Blanks. I don't even remember what the, the Quarrymen. No, no, no. After the, first, the Quarrymen. After the Quarrymen. Ah, uh, uh, I don't remember. But it was now like, you're just making up facts. But yeah. Back when they were back, back when they played themselves as uh, as John and the Abstracts. Yeah, sure. Literally, I just looked behind you for anything in the room, and I saw an abstract painting. <laughs> <laughs> wow, you really Kaiser Soze'd me there. Yes, didn't you? I did. <laughs> oh, I was John Lennon the whole time. Oh man, I was John Lennon the whole time. But John Lennon doesn't have a limb. Wait a minute. 
Caddyshack 2. I wish that had been the end of Usual Suspects. <laughs> wait, wait a minute. minute. Yeah. But it was Chaz Palminteri, so it would have been, wait a minute. <laughs> That's now, my That Chaz. sounds like Voldemort's assistant right there, <laughs> like his evil sidekick. All right. Have we exhausted George? We have. He's right. very tired. Let's talk about Paul McCartney. Sure. Um, I the enjoy face. Paul McCartney. He is the face. Mm-hmm. Here's my problem with Paul McCartney. Okay. Um. I will say no. I will say first what I love about Paul McCartney. Please do. I do think he's an incredible songwriter. Mm-hmm. He has had uh, the most longevity uh, and the most high profile longevity. Yes, uh, Ringo has been around as well. The two of them are both around, but Paul is the one that is that is constantly focused on pushing forward in music. Yep. Um, I think that he's all that he's a brilliant songwriter. I think that he's incredibly charming and really gave the Beatles much of their original charm factor. Yep. Uh, and he's funny. He's a really funny guy. He's on, on television interviews. He's always really fun. He is also responsible for some of the greatest songs ever recorded. Yes. However, Paul McCartney is responsible for the worst song ever to get played on the radio. If it's that Christmas song, it is a hundred percent that terrible, terrible, terrible written by a five year old Christmas song. You and I are about to go heads up, son. I love that. Are you song. kidding me? I love it sounds it. like Paul McCartney said, Hey, I'm going to go to a, uh, I'm going to go to a kindergarten, give them each a crayon and they can draw a note on this sh- sh- staff of sheet music. Uh, and then we'll just take <laughs> the best three and repeat them over and over again. Hey, little kid. Write a song on the spot. Okay. It's the worst song ever recorded, Hal Lublin. Something so simple about it. Yes. Simplistic, simple, childish, childlike crap. I thought you were going to say the crap was uh some of his later work with the Beatles, some of his white album stuff like Obladi Oblada. Obladi's pretty dumb. That kind of uh Obladi was the appetizer for the banality and uh juvenility of his Christmas tune. Well, I I will di- we're going to have to agree to disagree on the Christmas tune. <laughs> okay. I uh, for now. Oh, by the way, I want to throw in real quick. This is uh Violet Sunflower was who suggested Oh, I'm this sorry Violet that we didn't um We got so excited we jumped right we in. We did jump right in. I, I want to know if Violet Sunflower is a first name and a last name or like just one handle. Like do it's I just – one? It's a, it's a Twitter handle. So it's a Twitter handle. Name. But is it – but like do you, do you still treat it like first name, last name? Let us know. Sort of. Yeah. Will you, will you let us know? Thank you. Um, if you're still listening, <laughs> we may have lost you with the comics book ep- comic books episode. Uh, <laughs> no, we haven't heard that yet. Have yeah, we? that's coming later. <laughs> Spoiler alert, everybody. It's terrible. No, it's great. We probably lost you with Caddyshack too, to be <laughs> fair. Um, but that, that song aside, he also, uh, probably of all the Beatles had, has had the most success, uh, because he founded another huge band in Wings. Yes. And he wrote Band on the Run. Um, a great song. Maybe I'm Amazed. Uh, Live and Let Die. Live and Let Die. Yeah. He wrote a James Bond theme. For my money, the best James Bond theme. It's a great theme. Um, he. But boy, does he lose points with me for that one song. But he collaborated with Stevie Wonder. Yes. He collaborated with Michael Jackson. He did the most interesting music, uh, after, uh, after being a Beatle, I think. And he's very like, 
he has this thing when I, I swear, I don't think I've seen him in public in the last 20 years and had him not chewing gum. Like he's just <laughs> all, like, he's that level of cool where it's like, he just is like chewing gum everywhere. <laughs> Is either really annoying or really cool. Yeah, he makes it. He really makes it cool. cool. And I will say, here's a, a thing in favor of Paul. When I think of the Beatles, he is the first picture that comes to my mind. Yeah, I don't think of John or George or Ringo. It's Ringo, right? Y- yes, R- Ringor. 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 Ringo. Yes. Ringo. Because he is a He-Man character. He's a He-Man character. Ringor. <laughs> <laughs> this evil ring will destroy He-Man. Hey, what's his name? Ringo? All right, uh, so we're going to call him Ringor and uh, give him a ring. Next. I'm warning you with peace and love. Any battle cat sent after the 1st of May will be tossed. <laughs> Does he mean postmarked or like w- arrive at I his place? I think arrive. Oh, wow. Check the postmarks on all these parcels <laughs> so we can decide which ones I'm going to sign. I'm very busy. I'm asking you with peace and love. <laughs> so... Uh. Um, Hall also he recently uh, collaborated with Kanye West. Oh, another point against. That's uh, that was either going to be a point for or a point <laughs> against. Let's go back to the Beatles though. We're talking yeah. about the best Beatle. Let's uh, stick with his Beatles work. Yeah. Um. How about Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band? Do you really? like that album? I do love that. That album. Con- the idea of doing a concept album was his idea. Uh. Yes. Yes. Borrowed, of course, from Brian Wilson. Because the Beach Boys were doing Pet Sounds. Which one came first? Pet I was, Sounds came first. So Pet Sounds came first, yes. then Sergeant Peppers, mm-hmm. and then Brian Wilson had his breakdown because he was trying to make Smile and went crazy. Yes. Okay. Yeah, that's, that is a rough timeline, but those, those guys fed off one another and helped right. sort of drive one Which another. Which is interesting because I think of the, I don't think of the Beach Boys. I love the Beach Boys. I don't think of them nearly on the same level. Yes. Uh, but I guess in many ways they were with Pet Sounds. That's yes. a great album. Uh, you can also give Paul credit for keeping the Beatles together as long as they did. They probably would have split up earlier if he'd not been driving them to sort of stick together and keep yeah. doing things. And he was the Hal Lublin of the Beatles. <laughs> he was he was the one that said, "Hey, Dum Dum, <laughs> we're recording tonight." <laughs> How many text messages did I have to send you? At your request, probably like fifteen. I told Hal he was like he's like we're gonna record Monday at six. I was like, all right, I'm gonna need you to text me that. He's like, all right. I said, I'm not, I mean, like, like every hour. So for the past few days, I've been getting, I've been getting texts constantly. 6 p.m. Monday, 6 p.m. Monday, 6 p.m. Monday. So, uh, it, we started at 8.30 on Monday. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the great thing about the iPhone is you can, just with one thumb, you can copy and paste over and over again <laughs> and just keep sending the same text. Very simple. Uh, um, and also I can just type K. <laughs> no, I refuse to type just a K. I do like it. I always do an O and a K if I'm. Well, you're a gentleman. If I'm going to be that brief. Yeah. Um, one, one more thing for, for Paul. Mm-hmm. Two more. All There's right. a lot for Paul. Paul is yeah. great. Paul is still writing cool songs. I yes, don't mean to is. interrupt. Um, Paul just wrote a song called My Valentine that, mm-hmm. uh, is beautiful. That was, uh, that was, uh, sent to me around Valentine's Day, uh, by Juliana, which, uh, so that song has a special place for me. Yeah. Um, I like, I, I like Paul. It's just the one song, but I, I think he is the embodiment of the Beatles. Well, of the Lennon McCartney partnership, he's definitely the more saccharine. Mm-hmm. He was sort of the heart and, and Lennon was more the soul. And you see when they're apart, neither of them is, are as good as they were together because they, mm-hmm. they were such a great yin and yang. But Paul was the first of the four Beatles to have his own sort of breakout song, which was yesterday, which he wrote by himself. But shared credit with the rest of the band because that was how they did it. Mm-hmm. But they encouraged him to uh, – he played it on Ed Sullivan 
at their by himself behest, by himself. I didn't know just that. Just him and a guitar. Um, and then Blackbird, which is one of my favorite songs, is a Paul song. Um, of course, towards the White Album, which is all four Beatles sort of doing their own thing. Yeah. He was playing guitar and drums and bass and and whatever and piano. I feel like there's going to be so many times, and there have been so many times, uh, when you think when in thinking about who the best Beatle was. You sent you mentioned well this was a Paul song yesterday was a Paul song yes. um Blackbird was a Paul song so any song that you mentioned being from a specific Beatle I have the same reaction every time it's like uh well this was a John song oh I love that song yeah like they all get that exact same reaction and it's a point in all of their favor so really it could just be who wrote the most Beatles songs because they're all awesome that's true and that except is, for the ones Ringo did exactly. it is Ringo right poor Ringo yeah I think so okay Roger Does that seem that doesn't seem right oh no no, that's no, no. you're thinking of Roger Taylor he's oh. the worst member of Queen <laughs> weird that Ringo did like a, a baby talk song and uh Roger Taylor did Radio Gaga <laughs> <laughs> it's just the symptom of being yeah. a member of the band <laughs> Um, one more Paul thing. Okay. And then we, we can move on to Mr. Lennon. And that is when Stu Sutcliffe quit the band, mm-hmm. they had three people playing guitar mm-hmm. and George didn't want to switch to bass and John didn't want to switch to bass. So Paul said, all right, then I'll learn how to do it. And he became one of the most underrated bass players in rock and roll. He's a very good bass player. So, uh, screw George Harrison. He is the selfless Beatle. He could be. All right. And that wound up like he was willing to do it and, and did it left-handed, which for him wasn't a big deal, but is very impressive to me because sure. right-handed. Because as a right-handed guy, you look at this guy and you're like, look at him. He can play the bass backwards. <laughs> that's Look, if you have Beatles rock band, that's one of the achievements is, is you play it upside down. You have to play Ooh. a song left-handed Ooh. and get a certain Did you score. have Beatles rock band? Yes. Oh, man. Boy, do I love that. I can still break it out. It's one of the few games. You have Rock Band? Why are we not playing Rock Band right I don't now? know why we're not playing because we're doing this podcast. Ah, let's just play Rock Band. Can no, we play Rock Band while we do it? more important than Rock Band. This is why you are the Paul McCartney. <laughs> <laughs> I have to keep driving us forward. I have to keep the band together. But that's the one of that's the That's why few, I love you, Hal. I, I love you. This is one of the few, this is one of the few Rock Band games though that I can play well mm-hmm. because I know all the songs. Sure. So. You're not good at the Anthrax version? With the double bass pedal, yeah, I can't, I can't play. Uh, I'm the man <laughs> on Rock Band very well. Uh, all right, moving on. Yes, John Lennon. John Lennon, the the man who founded the Beatles. Yes, uh, with his skiffle band, the the Quarrymen. He's the he is the he is the George Washington of the Beatles. Yes, and he looks the most like George Washington, and of he all does. The yeah. He, uh, Will somebody Photoshop, will one of our fans please Photoshop John Lennon's face onto the $1 bill? We've been doing a lot of this asking people to just randomly tweet. <laughs> I assume they things. enjoy doing it. Yes, I love that. I feel bad asking though. I love yeah. just seeing things. Um, I, I love that. Uh, so John Lennon, the other half of the, uh, Lennon McCartney duo, what are some of John's, are you, you mentioned songs that are specifically Paul's. Are there songs that are specifically Beatles era, uh, John's songs that you don't think of as collaborations? Uh, Norwegian Wood, I think of as a, as a John song mm-hmm. that coming out of John. Um, I mean, the ballad of John and Yoko, which is, was that a Beatles tune though? Or was yes, that after? That was a Beatles tune. Really? Yeah. Wow. And, there's still argument that Yoko was a problem. 
Yeah, I mean, like if you were cool. if you and I were in a band and you were like, "Hey, I've got this song I want to do. It's called The Ballad of Hal and Jen." <laughs> like, oh, really? Man, this is the Beatles, dude. This is All right, I guess we'll do your We're a Couple song. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh yeah, I mean, you, we don't have to blame Yoko for breaking up the Beatles. They were probably heading in that direction anyway. Yes. She may have helped separate them a little bit quicker, but uh, I don't blame Yoko though. No, I blame John. Like Yoko would, if Yoko was like, "Are you sure it's cool for me?" That's my Yoko Ono impression. That's Are really you good, sure yeah. it's cool for? She sounds like Bjork. <laughs> <laughs> to go into the studio with you? The, oh yeah, sure, it's fine. All the guys love it. We bring our girlfriends all the time. <laughs> like you know, it was John that said it was cool. <laughs> yes. It's not like Yoko just barged her way in. I hope not. <laughs> Look. We all have that buddy that cannot say no to their significant other. Yeah. And it creates problems. Wait. Yeah. Everybody says they have that buddy, but none of my friends ever say, you know, I've never noticed that. I've never had that. No. No, I haven't. I, I think it's more, but it, but the problem. I'm just kidding. That was a terrible <laughs> yeah. attempt at being that guy. Because I'm also one of those guys yeah. who cannot, uh, who cannot say no. Right. But that's not the significant other's fault. That's a, that's just the, like, I really want to make this person happy and it makes me happy to have yes. them around. Yes. Um, We're giving John a lot of credit for this, uh, for this. So John broke up the Beatles. John broke up the Beatles. Here. Yeah. Um, Shocker, everybody. We got this. John Lennon broke up the Beatles. Yes. Uh, I am the walrus. That is okay. a classic John tune. Mm-hmm. Um, that, or, or as I think of it, that's, that's what I think of when I think of John Lennon. Um, geez, what are some other, what are, I mean, there are so many great yeah. ones. I want you feels like a John song. Um, which is a fantastic song that, that I think people, they're almost, there really are no deep cuts when it comes to the Beatles, but that is probably a deeper cut. Off of, um, off of Abbey Road. I don't, uh, yeah. I, cause Abbey Road's one of the ones that is in my rotation. Yeah. So I don't ever think of that as a deep cut. Right. I just think of it as an al- another album track. Um, and then, I mean, his work out of the Beatles. Imagine. Yeah. Come on. Imagine's probably I mean, the biggest. Everybody, all the, all the ex Beatles had songs, but, uh, I got my mind set on you, band on the run, whatever Ronnie was doing. None of Ringo, those. Ringo, man. None of those are Imagine. You no, know what I mean? That is definitely, um, an anthem of sorts. Mm-hmm. It's a very, I'm a very a big fan of song. anthemic songs. Like an anthem, I, like any song where people will hold up a lighter or march. Like yeah. that's, that's my jam. Like what get about the people hey Jude, going. Though? Hey Jude is an anthem. That's a Paul. That's a Paul. Is song. that a Paul song? Yeah. Oh man, we might, we might be leaning in a direction. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's, um, uh, just, but just to bring up, like, he did anthemic work just more mm-hmm. with the Beatles. And then right. he went outside, he was doing crap, utter How holiday crap. The time is right. We'll still get That is literally the melody of the verse of that song. Now, when you do it, it does sound like a kid on a car trip. Yeah. Yeah. David after dentist could have written, uh, could have written that song. Is this even real? Are we simply having a wonderful Christmas time? <laughs> I feel, I feel weird. Uh, all um, right. Um, John Lennon. Uh, what else do we want to say about John? Jeez, I mean, I there's mean there's so many. You is a great song. Well, I mean, aside from we're, we're we instant karma. His contribution aside from songs that are John's songs. Uh, sure, Revolution. 
I think was his. No, I'm saying song like aside from aside from the songs he did with right. The what what other things did he contribute to? Yeah, aside from songs that are individually his. But no, no, no. By all means, continue with your no, list. No, he was like no. that. <laughs> he was the uh, he was the mind of the Beatles. He brought uh, brought a lot of social consciousness uh, okay. into his work and was very cerebral, and uh, that reflected. Uh, however, he has um, he he has the other song, the the companion song to uh, "Within You, Without You." Is the other song that is practically unlistenable, um, which is uh, "Tomorrow Never Knew," "Tomorrow Never Knows" off of Revolver, and also "Revolution Number Nine, which is, which is the one I think where you, if you play it backwards, you hear "Paul is Dead." Right. That is supposedly oh. one because it's just gar, like it just garbles. There, I, I once we get done with John, I want to tell you a quick story about the whole Paul is dead thing. Guess what? We're done with John. Gr- are we really? I want to hear. It. No, that that can't be right. We, there's so much more about John. I, John. All right, let me throw a couple things out there, please. Uh, as the original member, the very first Beatle, mm-hmm. um, I feel like he was. While Paul was the one driving the Beatles um, as a band, it feels to me like in all that I've, maybe it's just because he was the public face of it that talked about it the most. Uh, he was the one that was responsible for the changes and the changing sound. Or maybe it was all of the Beatles and I just remember him the most from interviews being the one talking sure. about the changing yeah, sound of the Beatles. He stands out. He was the one who said that they were bigger than Jesus, yeah. which is an out of context of course. Uh, quote, not taken the way of course. it was. No, they were, they, they were saying that he was, he was saying that all of them individually were physically taller than Jesus. Yeah, that's what yeah, he said. Except for, uh, uh, Ra, uh, Ra, Reginald. Reginald. Um, <laughs> poor guy. We are being so mean to an icon. Just wait until you who might him. hear this. I really hope he does. You're gonna just... him. Some, Sorry, I'm not listening to any podcast episodes sent to me <laughs> after the first of May. Will be tough. What if he changes his mind and we send him? We're like, hey, we put our podcast episode on a CD for you. Why don't you give it a listen? He's like, oh, someone sent me a CD. You know what? Just this once, and mails it back to us. <laughs> like that's not even what we wanted you to do. It's not your music. We got his autograph. Quick to eBay. Cause we're those guys. <laughs> um, uh, all right. So, so yeah, maybe, maybe it's not that John was the, the driving force behind their, cause it had to be a conscious decision driven by someone to say, we are going to push the boundaries of pop music. Or is that a goal of every band? I think it's a goal of a lot of bands and they certainly like, you know, they, they were very beholden to their early influences and mm-hmm. that, and that stayed with them throughout, throughout their entire careers. But they, they broke out and they were all pioneers. Mm-hmm. And as a group, they, they kind of moved forward. That's why it's, it's almost hard to pick out, you know, you want to say the sum is greater than, uh, the whole is greater than the sum of its parts. But these four people were so important mm-hmm. in the musical landscape that it's hard to, to say that, that any one of them. Three was, people. Was, <laughs> All right, look, three and a half. Can we at least negotiate this? A oh, bit? he's like the kid from uh, that CBS show. <laughs> Tonight on CBS, John, Paul, George, and Ringo, Ringo in <laughs> Three and a Half Men. Oh, that poor guy. He doesn't deserve this. He doesn't deserve this. He's a beetle, for goodness sake. I know. 
Um, all right. So let's be done with John so okay. I can tell you this story. I want to hear the story. So in researching this episode, uh, I was looking up a lot of articles on the Beatles. I know uh, we've started to research a little more on our episodes because these are very specific things as opposed to should you put ketchup on a hot dog, which is not really a, uh, a specific. You don't really have to look up much on that. No. Um, so in my researching, I saw uh, an article popped up from – 2015 from February, I believe it was February, that said um, uh, Paul McCartney died in 1966, claims Ringo Starr. And my first thought was, oh, this is an awesome feud. This is like, <laughs> I didn't realize these two were feuding. Like, Paul died in 1966 and whatever came after that was just a shell of a man. Like, <laughs> I thought it was, I thought it was meant as a metaphor. So I click on this article and this article pops up and it is, uh, Ringo Starr claims that Paul McCartney died in a car accident in 1966 and was replaced by the winner of a Paul McCartney lookalike contest. And no one has ever been the wiser. Luckily, that guy was also a really great musician. And I thought, oh, this article is hilarious. What is this website? And uh, I don't remember the name of it, but I probably shouldn't say it anyway. Um, so I'm looking at this website thinking, this is a hilarious article. Is this like some sort of new onion thing, like click hole? Or, you know, every once in a while there's a new comedy website that you're like, oh, this is great. I got to check this out. And like, so this article is lunacy. And then I'm looking at some of the other articles and like, oh, that one's hilarious. Oh, this article is, wait, the, oh, these people are serious. This website is a conspiracy theory, lunatic fringe website. And I went down a rabbit hole, uh, just looking at assorted articles. <laughs> so it was fun that, that the idea of Paul McCartney, uh, being dead since 1966 yes. began in my mind. This one article began in my mind as, uh, a metaphor for a breakup and a tumultuous relationship turned into a hilarious joke article turned into a lunatic conspiracy theory article. <laughs> so I like to think that listening to the album backwards and hearing Paul is dead, that the people that heard that thought in those same three, that same pattern of threes, <laughs> like, oh, wow, these guys must have been fighting. Oh, wait, no, that's like, that's like a bit that they're doing. Oh no, somebody really thinks that Paul is dead. People really believe this. <laughs> the people who run that website listen to every album backwards though. They're like, uh, hey, have you listened to I Want a New Drug backwards? I think the stock market's gonna crash. Quick, put it on the website. <laughs> All the news that's fit to think up and type very quickly uh, onto a website. And oh, I thought of the name of this website, and I'm gonna say it because the name is dumb. Do it. Before it's news. Like, we're getting all of the scoops. The one thing they got right was Ringo Starr to stop autographing everything mailed to him <laughs> after May 1st. Peace and love, quotes Beatle. Peace and love. That's right. So so we've talked about all the Beatles. Yes. And and for the people listening at home, we know a lot more about the Beatles than this, but we can't do a nine hour podcast. Sure. We gotta keep we gotta we gots to keep it tight. You know more about the Beatles than this. Yes. Uh, I, this is mostly the extent of my knowledge of the Beatles. Well, fair enough then. We're, we're going to stop yeah. it here because I don't want to throw a bunch of extra stuff at you. So, so based on this, we need to decide 
who is the best beetle of them all? Based on this conversation, I feel like there's a clear winner that has emerged. And who do you think it is? I think it's Paul McCartney. I, I agree. I, I agree that it's Paul McCartney. Listen, whether you love or hate the classic Christmas song. Nope, I refuse to let you call that a classic Christmas song. That that has, much like Frosty the Snowman, <laughs> occupied a special place in all of our hearts. Oh. You know what it is? It's the opposite of Madam Trash Heap. Madam Trash Heap from Fraggle Rock. Madam Trash Heap from Fraggle Rock looks like garbage, but is really artistic and wise and uh, important and classic. Uh, this song looks important and classic, but is really a giant trash heap. That said, Paul's the best Beatle. That, that aside, Paul is the best Beatle. <laughs> Can you love John? Can you love George? Can you love Ringo? Can you love Stu Sutcliffe or Pete Best? Uh, yes, you can. You can love George Martin if you want to. But you can't say that they're the best. Only one person can be the best. And only one of those people is the best Game of Thrones author. No. No, that's George R.R. R. Martin. What? Yeah. George Martin and George R.R. R. Martin are the same guy. Like Mark... Gagliardi and Mark C. Gagliardi are the same guy. Yeah, but it's not Mark C. C. Gagliardi. Oh, C. C. Gags. <laughs> is that Elvis is better reference? than the Beatles? <laughs> <laughs> oh, there we go. It was an Elvis reference. Yeah, I didn't even know. Oh. Um, but Paul's the best Beatle, everybody. You, you're going to have to live with that. You're going to mm-hmm. have to know it deep in your heart. And if you learn to accept it, you're going to be so much happier the next time you listen to any Beatles song, including Obla Di Obla Da or Maxwell Silverhammer. Which admittedly I like are not Maxwell Silverhammer a lot. Look, some people love it, just like the Christmas song. Some people would say that that is a terrible song. Huh. Not me. I love da, the Beatles. Da, da, da. I'm fine with it. See, we're simply having a Maxwell Silverhammer time. See, ridiculous. That's the way it goes, <laughs> folks. There you have it. Paul McCartney, the best Beatle. Yep, conclusively stated for you. There are still more arguments out there, though. What? We're going to settle them. I thought this was the last one, but there are a ton. We have like 30 at a Google Doc. <laughs> oh, great. Just waiting for us to tackle them. And we want to add to that Google Doc. Yes. You, your name can be in a Google Doc that we both look at, by which I mean I look at it and then tell Mark what's on it. Yeah. So that's not – we we looked at your name isn't a selling point to anything for anyone. You know what? It could be – look, if Ringo Starr looked at my name and signed that thing that I mailed him, I'd be a lot happier. So, but that thing that you mailed him was a song that you wanted him to hear or a bit that you wanted him to hear. I did. That's all I wanted. That's all I wanted. It's this Ringo. Christmas song I wrote, Ringo. Yeah. So send us an email, won't you? Thank at, you. We got this podcast at gmail.com. Or you can reach out to us on Twitter and we will reach back uh, at we got this tweets. Or you can Facebook us on the Facebook at facebook.com slash we got this podcast. We would like to thank some people. Yes. Uh, Ken Plume, who thank does the, the mixing and the mastering. Also, many thanks as always to Mike Furman for our beautiful and hilarious theme song and to Jonathan Dinerstein for his sublime underscoring of our opening. And until next time, folks, don't worry. We We got got this. this. We got this.